Hello everyone, my name is Rose Romandi and welcome back to the Unending Grace. In this video, we are going to redefine grace again one more time and basically nail it in our understanding, in our mind. So it just it's just such a powerful concept in the New Testament. And this morning when I woke up and I was getting ready to record the video today, I was just receiving so loads of revelation on grace. And believe me, I've studied grace hours upon, upon hours and it's interesting that every single time that we go to grace we visit the grace object something new opens up for us and that's that's why it makes it so alive and powerful so for so long basically uh, we were told that grace is receiving what we don't deserve so hopefully by now as you have gone through the uh, series of the unending grace that on that basically definition of grace is already wiped out in your understanding or in your mind but today we are going to see it even from to understand that grace is actually our identity it defines who we are so turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2 and um and let's read this verse. And once for all, we want to understand what grace is in this verse. So this is one of the most important verses for myself. Every single time I want to define grace, I come to this verse. And hopefully it's going to open up for you today as well. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. And let's take a look at verse 9 together. It says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. So do you just see here, it says, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So that's really, that's a definition of the grace we have here. The grace of God is that he, might taste death for everyone. Okay, so let me share my screen here. Maybe we should just jump right into the screen because it's always easier to see and to draw and break down every verse. So here says, therefore, the grace of God, the grace of God is, oh, okay. So, <laughs> all right. So the grace of God is that he might taste death for everyone. So if you pay attention, I just put um, a little more space between three things here. He tasted death for everyone. So, and this is called the grace. So first of all, the grace of God has nothing to do, did you just see in this verse, has nothing to do with me. In that verse, it says the grace of God is that he tasted for me. Okay, so therefore, the grace of God is that he did something for me. Okay, so what we were like under the law, or let's put the definition of the law. So the law is I do for me. So this is what happened. This is the difference between the law and the grace. So the law puts you into the focus. Did you just see? I 
do it. But the grace says he did it. So now, this is just, this is that understanding. And I want you to, if you can pause the video and just chew on it. If we believe that grace is I receive because I didn't deserve it, but grace of God gave it, came to me because I didn't deserve it, but I receive it. Do you see the focus is still me, me, me. This is, this is what the corruption, this is how the corruption came to the world. Going back to Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree, their eyes were open and they saw themselves and they kept saying, I, 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 I. So one of the roots of death <laughs> and the corruption is the I, I, I part of this story instead of he, he, he. So instead of looking at me, we must lift up our eyes and we looked at him. So now let's again understand what, just understand this. The grace of God, grace means that God did something for you. But the moment you come to understand to, to the law, it's that I do something for myself. So, so therefore, if you take a look at here, therefore, what we can do is in the law, under the law, so when we did something for ourselves, what we did became who we are. So basically, we defined our identity on based of what we did. So basically we say you are or I am, do you see? I am what I do. So what does that mean? That means what we do defines our identity. So do you remember when Jesus went to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? So the, the, the devil came and said, if you are the son of God, then do something about it. So if you are the son of God, so turn the stones to bread, do something. So that, so therefore that doing identifies and proves your identity. Okay. So that's what it's, there's this narrow line. There is this, um, you know, switch must happen in our understanding. So the devil came basically and told Jesus that, Okay, you say you are the son of God, then do it. Turn the stone to bread. And when you do that and that work that you do, then that defines who you really are. And this is what exactly happened to Adam and Eve in Genesis and to every single one of us to this day that we are sitting. We try to prove who we are by doing the things. This is how the world works. This is how every single religion works. Your deeds, your works define who you are. But this is the corruption that came to the world. This is actually the law of sin 
and death that works in every single one of us. That's why there's so much corruption is happening because we are walking around and we are trying to do things and because I do it, then I can have something. So now I have to have a little disclaimer here, just in case this is the first time you're watching this video. I am not saying it is okay to do the bad things. No, I'm not saying this. What I'm saying is your identity doesn't come from what you do. Okay. Why am I saying this? If have you ever done something and then you regretted it? I'm sure you did because I did and we all lived in Adam and this is the nature of Adam. If you ever did something and you regretted it, that means that thing is not who you are because you regretted the thing that you did. And the moment you realize that what you did is not who you are, that's when you become free and step into that grace that we have. So now going back to the Genesis part and a story of Abel and Cain and for those of you who listened to the um, God's master plan series that we had a few months ago in the story of Cain and Abel so God came to Cain after he killed his brother and he asked him okay why are you hiding yourself basically from me and Cain is start condemning himself and he says, now I am be a vagabond on earth and I'll be cursed and da 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 because my punishment is great and because I killed my brother. So he took an identity upon himself because of something he did. And then it says the Lord put a mark on him so that no one would kill Cain. Even though Cain counted himself worthy of death because of what he did to his brother, God didn't. God didn't count him worthy of death. That's why he put a mark on Cain so no one can kill him. Why? Because there is the grace of God that defines every man and identity of every man that we are going to see it today. So therefore, grace is what he did for me and the law is what I do for me. One brings life and one brings death. Both of them defines our identity. Why? Because when you come to the grace, basically, if he did for me, then I must be something. So I'm going to show you the verse, but let me write it down here. So the grace says now, I am who I am. Okay, so this is the two different different understanding of our, the identity. If you know yourself according to what you do, you're going to say, I am what I do. But if you know yourself according to the, what God did for you, you're going to say, I am who I am. Okay, so let me show you actually the verse. So if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, our brother Paul here is actually saying the same thing. Look at verse 1 Corinthians 15, uh, look at verse 10. It says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, or I am that I am, okay? Do you know that this is the exact wordings or the phrase that God used to introduce himself to Moses? So in Exodus chapter 3, 
when God appeared to Moses, he, Moses asked him, who are you? And God said, I am that I am. Okay. So now Paul is actually saying the same thing that God said to Moses. And then he says, by the grace of God, I am that I am. Do you see? Paul says, okay, the grace of God is defining for me. I am that I, I am. I am not what I do. Okay. So now, usually in the mind of a religious mindset, basically, this is blasphemy. You know, God is the great I am. And now Paul comes here and says, I am. Okay. And I remember for myself, when I read this verse, it sounded so blasphemous because oh he is the great I am but we must understand this that everything God is let me let me say this you want to write it down somewhere hopefully you have your pen and pencil or whatever ready write it down whatever God is and whoever he is is your true identity okay so the sun is the manifestation of God. The sun is the visible image of the invisible God. So Jesus walked around and Jesus said, I do what, my, I, what I see my father is doing. I am what my father is, basically. If you see me, you have seen the father. So what are we seeing here? And, you know, usually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stress you a little and hopefully you incline your ear to hear what the spirit says. Okay, we are not here to exalt man to be a God. Okay, we are here to find who we are because we are in him. Okay, so now I want to stress your understanding a little here and to, to say this to you. Every manifestation of who God is, every time God showed himself to someone, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the person of Jesus Christ, it's the revelation of who you really are. Okay, so now what are we seeing here? What we see when God came to Moses and said, I am that I am, it was a revelation of who Moses actually is. It was a revelation of who the man in Christ is. It was the revelation of the man that God is mindful of him, who we really are. And, you know, years and years we took upon ourselves the false identity of Adamic nature. And when we come to the true understanding of who we are, we freak out <laughs> because we are like, oh, this is blasphemy. And while this is not, this is revealing the true nature of who we are. And the reason is that you can actually start living in it. Okay, if you are a king of a kingdom somewhere, but you don't know about it, then you are not going to reign and you are not going to be the king. and You are not going to do anything. You are going to live probably like a beggar and not like a king, right? So therefore, if you don't know who you are, you will never live it. You will never experience it. And that's what the gospel is talking about. Paul says here to us, I am that I am by the grace of God. So what does that mean? That means the grace of God is my identity. The great, what God is doing for me is who I am, not what I do for myself. 
Okay, so many times you and I have asked questions like this. Okay, uh, you know, what do I need to do now? Or how am I going to supposed to do it? And I, 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 I is the focus of everything that we do. And the gospel is 180% degree opposite of this concept. The gospel is not about I, 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 I. The gospel is about he, he, he. So as long as you are focused on, okay, how am I supposed to do this? How am I measuring this I, I, I? You have lost the sight of who he is. Why? Because the moment you see him, he becomes that identity to you. And then you find yourself living in a life that you actually are supposed to live. So now let me just take you to Hebrews chapter two again. And let's take a look here. So we just read in chapter, in verse nine, that by the grace of God, he tasted death for everyone. So based on, first of all, the grace of God, did something for me. Okay. So grace of God is he did something for me. I am because he did it. Okay. So write it down. Grace is this. I am because he did something for me. And I remember when I, you know, there was a time in the beginning of my Christian life, I would just go out praying for people. And, and I remember I came home one day and I was, you know, I was like, okay, what's wrong with me? You know, I need to, I'm supposed to have faith. And when I was praying for people, I was more focused on my faith and my prayer and my words and my, I wanted to become me. I, I want to make sure that everything I do is biblical and I want to make sure I, 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 right? So, and I remember I came home and, you know, I was really frustrated because I thought something's wrong with me because I'm praying for people. Nothing is happening. What's wrong with me? What do I need to do God now if you finish this why am I am I not seeing it happening okay and the Lord take me to these verses look at verse 9 what did we see here it says but we see Jesus okay so this is the important but why is it saying but we see Jesus look at verse 8 the verse before that Sometimes I read the Bible backward, okay? So it's going to help us to understand what's happening here. So look at, look at verse 8. It says, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. Okay. So if, we, if you don't continue reading this, you think that it's talking about Jesus here. Okay. So you put all things in subjection under his feet. Let's continue reading. And it says, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. So let's, let's wait here. By the time you get here, you probably think still that he's talking about Jesus because everything is under the feet of Jesus, which is the truth. But this verse is not talking about Jesus only. Why? Because when when the writer of the Hebrews is reading this, he understood that it's talking about man. Look at that. Let's continue reading. But now we do not see all things put under him. Oh, okay. So now it says, okay, guys, he put all things in subjection to him, but we don't see him 
everything in subjection to him. So now, who is this him? Let's go back to verse 6. Verse 6 says, But one testified in certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you take care of him. Okay, so you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hand. You have put all things in subjection to his feet. So therefore, the person in the focus of this concept lines here is the man. Okay, so, so therefore, verse 8 says, we, we don't see everything is subject under the man, him, this man that God is mindful of him, right? But now look at verse three. It says, but we see Jesus. Did you just see what happened? He says, guys, it comes to a time in our lives that we don't see everything in subjection to the man that we are. Okay, because he brings himself into the picture. He says, we, that man that God, God is talking about, that everything is subject to him, but we don't see it, is which man? I see it in my life. When I look at Jesus, everything is under his feet. But when I look at my life, not everything is under my feet. Okay, so Paul here says, therefore, we see Jesus. Did you just see? There is a shift of perspective is happening lifting your eyes from what is not subjecting to you to the one whose everything is subject to him why because all of a sudden there is a new identity comes to the picture so verse 9 says but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels suffering of death crowned with glory and honor by the grace of God might taste death for everyone now look at the next verse it's a most powerful verse it says for it was fitting for him for whom all are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering okay hold on bringing many sons to glory through the one who suffered Verse 9 told us the one who suffered was who? Jesus. We see Jesus who suffered the death. Are you following here with me? Therefore, do you see grace? He suffered so that he can lead the sons to the glory. How, how, is, it suffer how is it happening? The verse before that told us grace of God made him suffer for everyone. So how the... Leading is happening there. If you read in the context, the leading of sons to the glory is through grace, right? Because he suffered for you and that's the grace of God that comes to you and leads you to the glory. But I want you to circle the word sons here, okay? Did you see verse Eight and nine says, we don't see it, we don't see it, we, we, we. Okay, verse nine says, but we see Jesus. It's interesting. Circle the word we in verse nine and circle the word sons in verse 10. Did you just see? There is a transition of identity from a place of, oh, we don't see things under our feet 
into the transition of you are a son that is being led to the glory. So, so therefore, the moment you see Jesus, okay, the one who suffered and da da da, amazing stuff, then you realize, oh my gosh, everything that just happened, it was he did it for me, and that's the grace of God. Because I must be something that I don't know I am. Let me put it this way. I must be worthy to receive it. Verse 10 says, it was fitting for him. It was fitting for God. He had to do this because, because you are one with him. You are receiving it, not because you don't deserve it, because actually you do deserve, deserve it. Why? Because you are one with him. You are part of him. You are his bone, his flesh. I told you, whoever he is, is who you are because you are one with him. Okay? And now, I want to show the next verse, but we have, sometimes we have people like, okay, so you can't really say that because that really makes us, uh, God manifested in flesh. And I'm like, yeah, this is the gospel. You are supposed to be God seen in flesh. This is the glory of God. This is what God is working. God wants to show himself in you, in your life, in your thoughts, in your words, in the expression of your eyes, in your um, laughing, in your crying, in your body, in your whatever. Everything that you are, he, want, he wants to be dripped. <laughs> he wants to be seen in it. So now look at this. Look at verse 11. It says, for both he who sanctifies, okay, who is who sanctifies the one who died, and those who are being sanctified, who are those who are being sanctified, those who are being led to the glory. So those both who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one so it was fitting for him you were worthy of the death of Jesus you were worthy of the receiving of the grace you were you are worthy of the grace of God so here says why because this person who is sanctifying you and the person who's being sanctified they are of one okay now the question is what is this one here and how does this sanctification is happening look at this they are of one for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren so did you just see that they are of one of father they are one from a, a father because he who sanctifies and he who is being sanctified, they are brothers. So that means they are from one father. Okay. Did you just see what happened? It says, okay, it was actually fitting for him to do whatever he did because you were worthy of him because you were out of, you came out of him. So now... I want to ask you this question and 
probably maybe this is the perfect place for me to end this video and leave you with this discussion around this subject. The one who is sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, what, what is he sanctifying with and how are he sanctifying people? I'm going to give the answer, but I want you to do the discussion in your home groups or with whoever you can or you want is this, that those who, he who sanctifies, the verse before that, he told us how he sanctifies. He sanctifies through the suffering of death because he became perfected. The verse before that, the suffering of death is actually the grace of God. How is he sanctifying? He, he sanctifies the sons of God by the grace of God. How are you becoming sanctified by the grace? So grace is what sanctifies you. From what? From I am what I am to cleanse you from I am what I do. I'm sorry. So grace cleanses your identity, cleans, clean, makes your conscience wiped clean from believing of I am what I do into I am what I am. So the, he's sanctifying the sons of God through the grace. He's leading them into the glory because they are being washed clean from the false identity of I am what I do to the true identity of I am. So, and that's how, when you believe this, when you realize, no, I am because of what he did, that's when you step into the greater experience of the identity. And so many people have asked us before, or, you know, I asked this from myself until this concept of grace started opening up for us. And I told you the story, what, why, why is it that I prayed and it didn't happen? And after I had the revelation of this, I realized that I don't care anymore why it didn't happen. I need to know why it must happen. Because that brings you into the true identity. I don't ask questions anymore why it didn't happen, why I'm not seeing things under my feet. If you are still there, you're still in verse 8. You need to move on to verse 9 and 10 and further, okay? So we need to shift and switch and on our eyes and realize that, okay, I, I don't care about why it didn't happen, but I need to know why it must happen because I see Jesus and now I realize that this grace of God is cleaning me, is sanctifying me from the false mentality of why it didn't happen, to why it must happen, or I am what I do, to I am what he says I am, basically. All right, guys, so now maybe this is a good place for you to do your uh, discussion, to talk about it, to understand that how this, how grace brings the sanctification into your life. What are the other, other false beliefs do you still believe that grace needs to sanctify and cleanse that? All right, guys, thank you so much, and I will see you in the next video.